All right, we're ready to get into our message today. We've been on a series called Who Am I and Why Am I Here? And we've been talking about this for a few weeks now. So get your sermon notes out, your Bibles out. On your YouVersion Bible app, you can get the sermon notes on there and follow along as well. If you go to the events, uh, you can find our events and, and our sermon notes will be there. You can download those and use those. So let's open your Bibles. I'm going to have you open to two scriptures today. Genesis chapter 1 and Romans chapter 8. Yeah. Genesis 1 and Romans 8. Who am I and why am I here? Who am I is talking about our identity. And uh, why am I here talks about our purpose. I believe this very strongly. I believe we should live our life focused and driven by a vision. I believe we should live our life with a vision in mind. When we we use the word vision, a lot of times that's maybe a a churchy word. But I want you to realize, I, I think it's every person needs to have a vision in their life that motivates them. As a parent, as a spouse, as a children, as a your job. I think you should live your life motivated by a vision. And one of the key things for a vision is every vision should be the solution to a problem. Every vision should be the solution to a problem. So if we're supposed to live our lives motivated motivated by a vision, I want you to know that you are a solution to a problem. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a solution. You're a solution. You're a solution. See, every person around is they're a solution to something. You've got something to offer that nobody else has. So you're a solution. Some of you looked at him and said, you're a problem. You got to say you're a solution. <laughs> Follow the instructions carefully. <laughs> but we've been talking about this for the last five weeks. We've been talking about who I am, which is my identity. But today, we're going to talk about why am I here? It's our purpose. And for me, why am I here? This purpose is very important. I remember when God first started to speak to me about purpose and started to get a better, bigger picture of it. You know, we all deal with this in certain areas, but for me, I, I went to, same thing, out of high school, went to college and went to get a degree, studied, spent four and a half years in college getting a degree and uh, you know, paying money and time, all that investing in a degree, got a job in my degree right after school, great job, I got to work at Bradley University, a city of big Peoria, Illinois, for some small kid from Ellery, Peoria was like New York City to me. It was huge. I thought I'd arrived big time. It was a nice paying job. I thought I had just, success was right there. You know, college, graduate December, get a job in January. I couldn't ask for a better situation. I remember when I would go, I had to commute for the first three months because I didn't live in the city of Peoria. I lived outside of it. And, and I remember when I would first drive to my, uh, to my office, as I would come over, there was a certain hill, and I can still picture in my head, when I'd come over this certain hill, as soon as I'd come to the crest of that hill, boom, there was the entire city of Peoria. And I just thought, I came over that city, and I was like, whoa, I have arrived. You grow up on gravel roads, and you see that picture, it's something pretty impressive. So, I, but I remember sometime along that, it was in that first three months, I couldn't tell you the exact time, but I know it was right after I started that job that I got my degree, and so I got a job in my degree, and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I remember driving home somewhere in that first three months, this is after four and a half years preparing for this, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, somewhere in that first three months, I was driving home, and I had this thought that came to my mind, I was made for more than this. Now, mind you, I was not really searching God out at the time. We weren't on intimate conversation levels. 
I wasn't looking for Christianese thoughts, but I had this thought that just like, I was made for more than this. And I believe you have probably had that question or that thought come to you as well in your life that I was made for more than this. And that's why I want to talk about our purpose today. I believe we're all made for more than maybe what we're experiencing right now. And what does that look like? What is our purpose? If I talk about what is our purpose, we can't, we can't solve what our purpose is in one talk or a series of talks. So let me talk about what your purpose is not. Instead of figuring out what it is, let's say what it's not. Your purpose, my purpose, is not a singular event, a singular job, or a singular assignment. Your purpose is not a singular thing that we do. When we make our purpose about a singular thing that we do, then we begin to determine our value based on our success at what we do. If our purpose is something we do, then we begin to look at our value to humanity and our self-worth based on how successful we are at what we do. And so that's why our purpose can't be about our assignment because what if, what if that thing, that event, that assignment, that thing changes? Has anybody ever experienced transition in your life? Whether it's an occupational transition, a relationship transition, parenting transition, all kinds of things. If we get our value of our purpose based on what we're currently doing, what happens when all of a sudden we're not doing that anymore? If my purpose is based on what I do, then the temptation is or the danger is that when I'm not doing that, I can lose my purpose. This is why I want to submit to you today that our purpose is not about what we do, but about someone we become. Our purpose is not about something we do, but someone we become. So when I began to think about purpose, I said, God, I, I want to talk about purpose, but I don't want it to be the same thing. Let's, let's, let's really look at it big picture. So I'm like, I'm thinking, God, here's my, my thought process. God, why did you even create man? we're going to talk about purpose why we're here let's don't get it down to your job let's go much bigger scale than that why did you even create mankind is it so that we will do something for him if really our purpose is something we do then what could we do for god that he couldn't do for himself did he really make us so that we will do something and that's our sole purpose he could have done it himself so there had to be something bigger i'm like god why did you make us so it's when we talk about the beginning, we got to go back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. And the thing I love about teaching from Genesis chapter 1 is because this is original intent of God. What we're going to talk about today, I'm going to challenge some thoughts. I'm going to challenge some things maybe you've heard before. I'm going to challenge maybe some teachings you've had before. And I feel the teach instruction on me from the Lord today. Because I want to break down what the Bible says. Because when we look at this, Genesis chapter 1, keep in mind... Genesis chapter 1 that we're going to talk about is before sin. It's before the fall. And it's also before man was here. So this is not what we wanted God to do for us. It's what he decided to do for us and we had no say so in it. What we're going to get ready to talk about, I want you to set this in your mind. Everything that you're getting ready to hear, this is based on God's decision to do for us, not our decision for God to do for us. It's important for us to understand it because some things that he intended to do for us, we have trouble swallowing. All right, so let me, let me go on. Genesis chapter 1, have you found it yet? What if our purpose is not something we do, but someone we become? Let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 is where I'm going to read. 
All right? Again, this is before sin, before we were ever created. It says, let us make, then God said, let us make man in our image. Let us. What does us mean? Some of you are going to hear these, have heard these scriptures before. Some of you never heard them before. We're going to balance it out and try to be thorough without uh, being repetitive. Let us, this is plural. So this is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are having a conversation. All of them are present in the beginning. Let us make man in our image. So the Trinity had a plan. They devised a plan. Here's our plan. We're going to make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We're talking about purpose. Why did God create you? Why are you taking up oxygen every day? What was God's original, original intent for mankind? Let's see what he says here. In chapter one, remember, we had no say so. So here's three things that we couldn't decide. We didn't decide the way we were created. We didn't decide what we were created to do. And we did not decide the extent to which God empowered us. God determined all those things on his own. Are you following me? All right, I'm gonna say yes, you are. All right, so look at verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Everybody say image. Look what the word image means. The word image is a Hebrew word that means a copy of something in the sense of essential nature with the ability of morality, reason, and free will. So when he created mankind, he created them in his image. His image means he gave them morality, reason, and free will. No other created being was given all these three things in one package. The ability, free will is very important. He put that in man. He created that in man. The morality, the reason, he put all of that in man from the very beginning. In our image. In other words, I want to make them to be able to do certain things like I can do them. Then also he says not only image but in his likeness. According to our likeness. The word likeness means a pattern or resemblance, a model, a figure, a a form. This is like a model is like a mini-me. Ever, ever, ever played with models, like a model train or model cars? You know, when we were a kid, we used to play on the street. We are, yeah, I got to, So our, our dad brought home one day, he surprised us, and he brought home a three-wheeler. And as we were little kids, and we were so ecstatic, we didn't have a three-wheeler. We were so pumped about the three-wheeler. So this was like evening when he came home for work. So we rode it all that evening till dark. We rode as much as we could. It was awesome. I can remember where the gas was right on the handle. We loved that three-wheeler. So we go to bed. We're probably dreaming about three-wheelers. Think about it, We're going to ride this forever. It's going to be incredible. And so the next day, you know, we get up, go to school. We come home, and the three-wheeler's gone. Three-wheeler's gone. And that night, our dad brought home a snooker table that he'd traded the three-wheeler for the snooker table. I know that's what we thought. You're like, why is that, why is that relevant to our story? Because on this snooker table, we used to build little cities and we had strings for streets and we would play with our cars on this model city. It's a replica of a real city. So here's what it says in your image and your likeness. God created us to be mini-me's of him. 
He created a model called the earth and he put mankind on the earth and he said, you're my model. I want you, I'm gonna put you on the earth in my image and in my likeness and I want everything that I do in heaven, I want you to do it on your model. We're talking about the original purpose of mankind. He said, I'm giving you authority in this model, so I'm going to put you in here. That's what image and likeness means. We were made, you put those two words together, it means we look like him, act like him, and represent him on the earth. That was God's initial intent for you, to look like him and act like him. That was his intent, not mine. That's not something I said. You know what? I want to look like you and act like you. No, he decided this for you. It's not something we're pridefully trying to be like God. He intended that from the very beginning. That's what he said. Okay, so we see it in the Bible. So now let's go on to the next part. Look what he says. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Okay, we got that. We're many means according to his likeness. But then he says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing. Let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. So now he put them in the earth, put mankind in the earth, and he gave them what's called dominion. What does that mean when God said, let them have dominion? The word dominion, I put it there in your notes, means to bring under control, conquer, and make submissive, to dominate or to rule over. Let me ask this question. Again, this is before sin, before the fall. Right? You're tracking with me? If, if this was before sin, then why would he tell them to have dominion, to bring something, to conquer and bring something under control if there wasn't something to conquer and bring under control? God knew when he put man in the earth that he was going to have to bring under control and conquer anything that opposed the image and likeness of God. This was the desire of mankind from the beginning. It wasn't just that they would be a farmer. It wasn't just that they'd be an electrician. It wasn't just that they would be a receptionist or be a teacher or be a lawyer. It wasn't that. I want you to take my image and my likeness and I want you to bring anything that's opposite of that under control and bring it into obedience. Are you following? That's what it says there in your Bible. So he's saying this is my... My, uh, my purpose for them. I want them to have dominion. Now let's look at what he does. Now verse 26 is when he comes up with this plan, but verse 27, he executes the plan. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. So when it says in verse 27, so God created man, I don't want you to think male. This when he created man, this is mankind. This is so it says he created male and female. The word created is very important. The word created is a word that means to make something out of nothing. When this Hebrew word created was used, the only subject in the sentence, you guys will go to English class, remember? The only subject that could be used with this verb was God himself. Why is that? Because no one else can create things out of nothing but God. We say stuff like all the time, like, well, they created this or created that, but really we're making stuff out of stuff. Nobody's creating anything but God. He had nothing and starts making something. Then we take his something and make something else, but created, only God can do that. But that's different than when he made or formed. He, made, he, he formed man out of dust of the earth and he, and he made a woman out of the rib of Adam, but that was their bodies. Okay, in Genesis chapter two, I think it's verse seven and verse 22, you'll see where God formed man's physical body out of the earth 
And he made Adam or built, uh, sorry, Eve, built Eve out of Adam's rib. Here's the uh, importance of that. They were created first spiritually. They were formed secondly, natural body. All right? So here's the application for you and I. Your purpose is not attached to what you do physically. God's going to form things for me to do, but I can't assume that is my purpose because he may change it and form something else. What I was created to do, who I am, I'm created to be in his image and in his likeness. That is my purpose. So no matter what he forms in front of me and no matter how much that what forms changes, that is not my purpose. You can't assign your purpose to something you're doing. Assign your purpose to someone you are. You following what I'm saying here? You're a created being for purpose first and you're a formed purpose second. Too many times what we do, we want to put our whole identity in our job. Well, what if he wants to change your job? I've lost my purpose. No, you haven't. Your purpose is still to be in the image and likeness of God. That's your purpose. We're supposed to grow into the image and likeness of God. And look, notice what else he says to do. And go into verse uh, 28. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So now, verse 28 It's where God is talking to man about his plan. He talked about his plan in verse 26. He executed his plan in 27. Verse 28, he's talking to man. How many knows there's a difference when God's talking about you and God's talking to you? When God's talking to you, it is revelation. When he's talking about his generalities. In verse 28, he was telling them, this is my plan for your life. Be fruitful. Go out and multiply. He says, fill the earth and subdue it. He was communicating his plan to them. Oh, man, this is important. Why does God tell them his plan? So that when they heard anything opposite of that plan, they wouldn't follow it. See, God wants you to know his plan for your life. He develops a plan, he creates a plan, and then he communicates his plan. Why does he communicate his plan? Because he doesn't want us to follow the voice of a stranger. He didn't create Adam and Eve, set them in the garden and said, let's just see what happens, Jesus. (laughs) Let's see what they do. No, he communicated clearly their plan. He said, all right, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. That's my plan. Okay, okay. So God wants to communicate his plan to you as well. He's got a purpose for you and he wants to tell you what it is because he doesn't want us to fall for the wrong plan. So now let's go on to the rest of it. See what happens here. So after he communicates this, see the problem though here he says he be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. We can talk about those things, but the being fruitful, the multiply, fill the earth, subduing it, have dominion, none of those were their purpose. Their purpose was be made in the image and likeness of God. Because if we try to subdue or have dominion outside of the image and likeness of God, then we will be outside of the will of God. He said, I want you to fill the earth, I want you to subdue it and have dominion, but I want you to do it out of a place of the image and likeness of God. So my focus on anything I do is, am I doing this out of the image and likeness of God? Well, I'm just, I want to subdue, I want to have dominion, that's what I was created to do. No, 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 you were created first to be in the image and likeness of God, and from that, you can have dominion. 
We can't have dominion outside of the image and likeness of God. Everybody okay? We can get it, we can get it out of track. We can say, well, you know what? My wife's supposed to submit to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church. So there's a comparison there that my measuring stick is not the level of her submission. My measuring stick is the level of my loving her as Christ loves the church. So if I will love her as Christ loves the church, submission is her problem, not my problem. Okay, move on. Do you understand? And you can apply it to anything. We just got to understand image and likeness of God, whatever you do. How you wife, how you husband, how you parent, how you are a child to your parents, out of the image and likeness of God, everything should come from that. How you are as an employee, image and likeness of God, well, you don't know my boss. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Image and likeness of God. All right. So you got it. So now, this was the original intent, Genesis chapter 1. That's what he wanted for us. But it didn't stop there in Genesis chapter 1. It also happened in the New Testament. Go to Romans chapter 8. It kept going in Romans chapter 8. This, when I talk about what is our purpose, I want to get down to the grassroots level. Why am I here? Why am I alive? Why did you create mankind? You didn't need us. So why did you create us? So let's look at Romans chapter 8. Familiar verse for some who've been in church a long time. If you've never heard it, we're going to break it down. If you've heard it a certain way, we may challenge some things that you've heard. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. How many has heard that? Several times in their life, and usually it stops right there. Or they'll paraphrase. Everything works together for good for those who love God. Well, we got to read the rest of the verse. I don't disagree with that part of the verse. I just agree with all of the verse. All things work together for good for those who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, who are the called? Everybody say the called. Who are the called? When it talks about the called. Now, I'm going to address some people will teach or some teachings say that the called are a certain group of people that are selected and predetermined by God. So we had to look at the definition of word, the called. The word, the called, is a Greek word, kletos, which means to call out or to invite. It literally means invited. So to those who are the invited is what you can put into that verse. To those who are the invited. Now the invited, an invitation by very definition is not a predetermined thing. An invitation is optional. If I send you an invitation to come to something then that means you have the option not to come to something. All things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are the invited according to his purpose. So now if I look at it this way, because the same word is used in Matthew where it says, many are called, but few are chosen. Heard this verse used sometimes for people who say that God has only chosen certain people to be saved. Many are called, few are chosen. So let's say there's only a certain chosen that are selected to be born again, and there's only a select group of people that are chosen to go to heaven. But I would challenge if you put in the context of what it says, for many are invited, but many are chosen. Now you look at it like if you invite people to come be a part of your softball team, everyone's invited to come be a part of the team. Who are the ones that are going to be chosen to be on the team? The ones who accepted the invitation. Just because everyone's invited doesn't mean everyone's going to show up. This is what I'm talking about. Many are called, but 
Few are chosen. Many are invited. God's inviting everyone, but not everybody's going to show up to the party. So now let's look at the context of this verse. All things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are the invited according to his purpose. What's his purpose? That word purpose means predetermined, made in advance, set in beforehand. All right? Now let's put this together. You ready? How many have heard this said? All things work together good for good for those who love God. And it's used in the context to defend that no matter what happens, if, God, if something good came out of it, evidently God wanted it to happen. I've had this said many times. Something good will come out of a situation and they will say, well, evidently that's what the Lord wanted to happen. Not necessarily. Just because good comes out of a situation doesn't mean God authored a situation. It doesn't speak to the fact that God wants all these things to happen. It speaks to the fact that he wants to redeem anything to get good out of it. And this verse, if we study it, it will explain it to us. Now, he goes, all things to work together for good for those who love God, for those who are invited according to his purpose. So let's role play a situation. I make bad choices, go against the will of God, and this is my pattern in my life. I'm making bad choices. Here's where I am. Wherever I am in life, God keeps sending an invitation for me to participate in his purpose for my life. So if I ignore that invitation and I move, I'm a different place in my life. And now I get worse, worse, and worse. No matter where I go, God will resend that invitation to my new location. And he will keep inviting me to participate with his plan to bring me to a place of working together good out of my mess. That I don't care how big a mess we make of our situation, God's going to keep sending an invitation to make good out of it. He may not author it. He may say, Chad, man, that was a horrible decision. Why did you do that? Here's an invitation to make good out of it if you'll partner with me from this point forward. From here, wait a minute, I'm too far gone. I'm too far gone. No, it doesn't matter where you move. God will resend his invitation and he will work those things together for good. You're like, ah, how can he work this together for good? It's a mess. I've, made, I've hurt people. I've made devastating choices. There is nothing too big for the blood of Jesus to redeem it. And if something good comes out of it, it does not mean that that's what he wanted to happen necessarily, but it means he can redeem anything and get good out of, good, good out of it. See what I mean? So we've got, but it's an, it's an invitation. He's not going to force it on you. He's not going to say, come follow me right now. He's going to throw out an invitation. He's going to throw a lifeline. Hey, maybe through a voice, maybe through this sermon, maybe through a friend, maybe through a family member, maybe through parents. Somebody saying, hey, make sure, give your life to Jesus. Get focused. Stay focused on God, whatever. Those are lifelines because this sees you on your path. You're moving away from God's purpose for your life. But ah, you keep ignoring the invitation. God keeps sending them because he's believing and praying with you that you will partner. See, Jesus is interceding for us every single day. So now look at the next verse. Now that we break down what 828 means, for those who are the called, we know who they are, those are the invited ones according to his purpose, for whom, verse 29, for whom he foreknew. Now who did God foreknow? Did he only foreknow a certain group of people? Did he only foreknow the righteous or did he foreknow everyone? It would be hard to be argued to me that God only foreknew a certain group of people. So look at the category of people we're talking about. Who's our audience? For whom he foreknow, that's everyone. 
For whom he foreknew, he predestined. Everybody say predestined. I want you to know that I believe in predestination. But how I believe in predestination may be different than how someone else believes in predestination. I'm going to break down what this word means, and I'm going to tell you the, the, the reason I believe in certain aspects of predestination and how I believe that believing in certain aspects of predestination are very dangerous and harmful in the body of Christ. So he says here, whom he foreknew, he predestined. So that word predestined, I give it to you in your notes there. It's, it's made up of two words. Put them together, it means to determine a limit or boundary ahead of time. Two words, pro means in front of or before. Second word, horizo, this is where we get our word horizon. If you ever say, hey, just look off into the horizon, what does that mean? The horizon is the line between the, the earth and the sky. The sun setting on the horizon, or the horizon be the beach. You know, we go on vacation, you look out in the ocean, and you see the sun going down on the water. That's the horizon. That's the line between the water and the sky. That's the horizon. So when you put these two words together to get predestined, it tells me that there's a boundary or a line put ahead of time that God has purposed in our life. So he said everyone that he foreknew, he also predestined them or placed boundaries in advance. Boundaries in advance, barriers or lines in advance. What are these boundaries for? Look what he says next. To be conformed to the image of his son. Now what does the word conform mean? Again, I, I told you I wanted to teach a little bit because I think... I want to make sure we understand what we're reading. Sometimes we just read things and we don't understand what God's saying, and then we don't know how to apply it to our life, and we think it's irrelevant. But notice what he says, to be conformed to the image of his son. What was his purpose in Genesis chapter 1? Made in the image and likeness of God. What is his purpose in Romans chapter 8 verse 29? Those he foreknew, he predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. God predestined you and I. Our predestined purpose was for us to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Now, what does the word conform mean? Great question. Two words. One means union together with through like association or companionship. The other word means morph, like you morph into something. So it's, it's soon morphos. And so you put the two words together and it talks about over time, through companionship and association, you will take on the character and nature of something else. So now he says, my predestined purpose for you is to be conformed into the image of Jesus. So now as we put that together, your purpose in life is not to go to school and get a job and get a 401k plan, retire, live off of that until you keel over. That's not your purpose. Your purpose is never something you do. Your purpose is someone you become. It's something God's wanting you to be, a person he's wanting you to be, and he's wanting you to look like and act like Jesus. You're like, oh, it's impossible. It's not impossible. It's doable. Or he wouldn't have predestined us to do it. But notice, you conformed, you got to morph into it. That means it's a gradual process. Anybody thankful for a gradual process? I'm, I'm being conformed into the image of his son. And when I partner with his invitation of his purpose, I will continue to be conformed into the image of the person he wants me to be. But when I don't partner with his purpose and I decide I'll do what I want to do when I want to do, then I will create my own image and likeness. And oh, you need to hear this. You are predestined for the image of Jesus. Any other image you try and become will not fulfill your life. 
You can try and be any other kind of image. I want to be a such and such. I want to make this kind of money. I want this kind of position. You can conform to some kind of image and status that when I become that, I will make it. You will get there and you will still be unfulfilled because the only image that we were created for was the image of Jesus. I don't care how much you make or what it is. You'll say, you know, if I study and I graduate and I do this, this is, the, this is it. When I get that and I become that, then I'll be satisfied. No, you won't. No, you won't. You'll be, it's be good. I'm not against any of the things. You can do that and still be conformed to the image of Jesus, but just don't let that be your purpose. Just notice what he says. You're predestined to be conformed into this image because whatever we associate with, Whatever we associate with and we companion ourselves with, we will be conformed like it. This is why you can do it in a good way or we can do it in a bad way. Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to this world. What happens? Whatever we associate with closely, we will become like it. Either the image of Jesus or the image of the world. If my only association with God is attending church, That's one hour and a half, maybe out of the week. All the other hours, you're conforming to what you associate with the most. That's not hating on you, not hating on myself. I'm just saying that's what happens. But we were predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. I want want to address this predestined one step further. You say, Chad, I I can't be conformed to the image of Jesus. That's too high a standard. Look, Look at Galatians 3, 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You're all sons through faith in Christ Jesus. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 4. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined, there it is, having predestined us to what? To adoptions as sons or daughters, by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Listen, you need to hear this. God's predestined good will for you was for you to be adopted as a son or daughter of God. You're predestined to be a Christian. You're predestined to be a son or daughter of God. God has already made it for you to be born again. That was his intent. He's not waiting to find out what we decide to determine his will for your life. He's already determined his part in the process. He says, these are the thoughts that I think for you. Thoughts of good, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I'm not waiting to see if you accept me before I get a plan. I got a plan before you ever come out of the womb. You were predestined to be my son or daughter. Now here, I'm going to challenge you something. Well, Chad, you heard this. I mean, you heard this song. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Oh, yes. Now, I'm not here to argue semantics, but I got I to draw the picture of what predestined is. God, again, according to this, pre, this scripture, he prayed, predestined you to be sons, so much so, he's already made up his mind on what he wants for you. I don't believe that your name is written in the book of life when you accept Jesus. Revelations chapter three, verse five. Some of you got a little nerved right there. You're like, heresy. No, hang on, hang on. Revelation three, five says, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments 
and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. We were predestined to be sons and daughters of God, so much so that your name is already written in the book of life. And the only way it's coming out is if you say no to the invitation. The only way it has to be blotted out is if we, he gives the invitation to accept sonship as a son or a daughter and we reject it and say no, then he says in that moment, regretfully, I will have to blot their name out of the book of life. My will was for them to spend eternity with me. I always predestined that to happen, but I gave boundaries for them to follow. And if they choose to walk outside of those boundaries that was outside of my protection, outside of my blessing, it was outside of the blood of Jesus, anything inside of the blood of Jesus, they're mine. But if they choose to walk outside of the blood of Jesus, I'll have to blot their name. See, this scripture here challenges a lot of ideologies that we have. He who overcomes, I will not blot out his name, then that tells me that there's the possibility for someone not to overcome. It also tells me that my name is not written in the book of life when I get born again. It tells me that my name will not be blotted out. Will not be blotted out. I'm, he, I'm pre, he predestined me. He's already made up his mind that he has a plan for you and that plan for you is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Notice what it says. I'll read this last verse and we'll close. Verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, whom did he predestine? He predestined everybody that he foreknew, so that includes you. Whom he predestined, these he also called, or these he also invited. And whom he invited, these he also justified. What the word justified means? The word justified means that he removed all guilt and condemnation. In other words, he removed the sins that were against us. He, he took care of the debt. So now it's nothing we can do to earn salvation. He said, I justified you. And these that he justified, these he also glorified. I got some scriptures there in your notes that, that I want you to use and look at those. But for time's sake, I'm not going to go into any further. I, I just want to make sure this point is driven home. From Genesis 1, his purpose for us made in the image and likeness of God. Romans chapter 8 conformed to the image of my son. That's what I want them to do. So no matter what your job is right now, awesome. That's good. Keep working. <laughs> but it's not your purpose. Your purpose is at your job to reveal the image and likeness of Jesus. To keep growing and be conforming to the image of Jesus. You're a student right now. Your purpose is not getting a degree. Please go ahead and get a degree if you're in school, if that's what you're supposed to do. But your purpose is to keep shaping yourself into the image and likeness of God. That way we never get lazy and lax and think our purpose is over. Our purpose is always on assignment because I got plenty to do to be conformed to the image of Jesus. So my purpose is not something I do. My purpose is someone I become. I got a full-time job fulfilling my purpose. He created you for a purpose. He predestined you to be somebody. He predestined to be your best you. To look like Jesus is not a perfect, something you have to idea of, I'll be a perfect person. It's not that expectation. That you'll begin to grow in the fruits of the Spirit 
and begin to walk in the grace that was given through Jesus Christ. I want to thank, so my purpose, I gotta look like Jesus. Epic fail, next. No, no, the blood of Jesus covers what we're failing. But I just keep through relationship, hanging out with him. The more I'm with him, the more I read about him, the more more I talk to him, then the more I'll start acting like him and I can become like him. I can be his mini me on the earth and help others know him. What if our sole purpose was not something we do, but someone we become? That if we can become more like him, then we can help others around us become like him too.